Just like that, final hour is here on the Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Been a fast-paced show today. If you missed portions of it, you can see it online right now through uh, YouTube. Search out Outkick. Chad's in the chat live with us. And you can check out clips and uh, all of the uh, live and on-demand shows. Outkick.com. Chat's and good. The Chat's Outkick good. Channel. A lot of people mad at Clay about his challenge to the uh, WNBA on that. Really? Yeah, I said, look, Clay said something. The the lady called him a dumbass, and he came back with a challenge. And they went silent. I don't know why you're mad at him. Be mad at her and the aces for not responding. Respond with the. I gave. Challenge. Let's I, make it two. I gave the response that would have been funny from from her to Clay. That they someone should have written this response to Clay. I, I, if you, this is another reason to get in the chat. If you want to get in the chat, okay. you can see my response. Said this, I would have respected this response back and laughed at it, and that would have gotten a ton of retweets. Yes, uh, had had she put that, but instead she said nothing, and then the WNBA has gone silent. Again, so. go to YouTube. You can search out Outkick. Find us there. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you as well. Also, say thanks to uh, Michael Bratton, SEC Mike, for joining us uh, right now as we kick off hour number three. Uh, host of the SEC that SEC podcast, uh, Michael. Good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to join you, boys. Uh, no doubt. Hey, uh, so Jimbo Fisher's out. Buyout paid, or will be paid in full. Does A&M have their guy? Do they have someone in mind immediately by making this move? Or is this just, well, either way, uh, he's being paid to fail and we're done with it? Well, first of all, let me just say what a sad day it is for me. I've kind of made a career of making fun of Jimbo Fisher and his uh Failures as a head coach, so it <laughs> is a it's a devastating week Mike, for now me. Now you can make fun of him on TV, <laughs> right? Now that that's where we'll just move on to whatever his assessments yeah. are on TV. You can make fun of his television work once he gets a TV gig. Oh, I'm hoping he goes to work for Nick Saban, washing his car like Bush Butch Jones used uh, to yeah, do. That's so a possibility too. But the crazy the crazy hope. thing is this buyout has no wax offset. on wax there off. There is no offset. <laughs> so if he takes another job, he still gets this money. There is it's, that is the, that's nuts. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, based on his uh, recent history there at A&M, I don't, I don't think he's a candidate anywhere else, sadly. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think A&M has a candidate at this point in time, but I do like the fact that they made this move when they made it. Well, ha- I mean, they should have made it last year, let's be honest. That's, that's what I've been saying, and they would have probably had a quality coach by now. But it is what it is, and uh, the reason that you don't wait to the end of the season to recruiting, but even more importantly in today's college football is uh, you you have got to get ahead of the transfer portal and that's coming quick. That's December 4th. I think uh, by the end of the regular season, they need to have a head coach the following week. And if you would have fired Jimbo at the deadline, you probably wouldn't have had a a quality candidate lined up. So uh, I don't have a ton of faith in Ross Bjork to to make an excellent hire, but he's given himself at least some leeway given that he's got uh, several weeks before what the deadline I'm putting out there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I like the, the thought there. I I'm curious, like who's what level coach is that to secure the portal aspect of what you're saying? And, and more, maybe more importantly, keep the talent that you currently have. That's currently being recruited by other programs to bolt now, uh, maybe before now, uh, from, from leaving, keeping things in college station to have the most success you can have in year one. Yeah, and then there's another aspect to all this is uh, NIL, and I don't know that, you know, obviously they don't leak the information of these contracts, but a lot of these guys are essentially 
I don't want to say stuck, but tied to the school. They can transfer if they want, but they can't transfer their NIL rights. So that's also something to consider. We may not have a mass exodus of all these great players at A&M because, uh, I mean, they're free to go, but uh, they may not be able to make it in NIL. So that, I think that's going to be something really interesting to see if, if no big-name players exit the program, regardless of who the coach is. You, I, I, I have to believe that is tied to NIL. Well, and we see it all the time that one coach fails and then you go the opposite route. Defensive guy fails, we got to get the young gun offensive coordinator. Offensive guy fails, we need someone with structure and that's more uh, d- disciplined, yeah. defensive-minded. What's the opposite of Jimbo? Cheap? I mean, what does Good. A&M do to counter what they just did? To me, it's go hire Jeff Trailer on the cheap with no buyout and let him assemble a staff with some money, but you almost go that group of five route. Right, we had Billy Lucian earlier this week, and that's what he brought up immediately. He said, "I think it's going to be a group of five level coach this go around." What do you think about that approach now for A and M to go the complete opposite direction? We're not going to fly around the country trying to woo some big name. We're going to go get someone who really wants to be here. That's going to earn the money that we start to pay them. Yeah, the, it, the opposite of a, of Jimbo Fisher is a good coach. So well, that's what we need. We need just a, a solid football coach, someone that's not going to. You don't have to win the press conference. I think AM was a little obsessed with winning the press conference when they hired Jimbo, and there was just, it was style over substance. We need to go 180, like you're saying. And, you know, Jeff Trailer makes a ton of sense. He's well respected in that state. I think Lance Leopold at Kansas, surely you can outbid Kansas. And I know you said G5, but to me, Big 12 is basically G5 once Texas and Oklahoma leave. So can you get a guy like that? Again, AM fans are, are probably not going to be wowed by that. Even a, a Willie Fritz, who is doing a tremendous job at Tulane. Now, now that obviously is a G5, but just in that vein, someone that it, you, you may not be overly thrilled when you sign them, but you give them this roster that they currently have in College Station, it could be a 180 turnaround. And, and I'm not saying win a national championship. Sadly, I don't, I don't think that should be A&M's goal right now. The, the goal should be a consistent 9-10 to 10 win program, which, to my knowledge, they have, they have never been, at least in my lifetime. Yeah, but I think yeah, and I agree with you. The goal now should be be consistent. Um, I mean, look at what happened to Florida State though. As soon as Jimbo left, I mean, if we were going to go the opposite, any coach is going to be the opposite of the hire because the opposite is going to be the resume that Jimbo came in with and what he was paid for based on the resume being a national championship winning coach. Those are few and far between right now. Um, and uh, either way, they're <laughs> the guys are going to get paid and they're going to be rumored to leave. They're going to get extensions and and buyouts are going to go up. It, it, I, I'm intrigued, though, to see the direction of the offense and the direction of the mentality and, I guess, the overall uh, makeup of, of the, the new guy versus Jimbo Fisher that was so much against doing anything other than his way and knowing everything instead of not admitting that things aren't working out as they should be based on his offense. Yeah, I mean, his offense was stuck in uh, 2013, wasn't it? So, again, maybe you go out and hire an offensive innovator like a Jamie Chadwell. I know he's he's been rumored. I, who knows? I mean, I think these are all just people sure. throwing stuff against the wall. But someone like that, someone that has, has kind of dominated a lower level but it, but is fun, is innovative, and has to just – I'm always curious what these guys will do when they actually have real talent to work with. And that may be – a job out of reach for a guy like Chad will, but 
Who knows? I mean, a, a lot. I mean, I, I think Tennessee fans probably thought their job was too good for Josh Heupel. But then once you get him in there and that you put in that system, that's right. Now he's regarded as, as one of the best coaches in the conference. So uh, I, I don't know that I necessarily believe that. I, I think if you get an innovative offensive mind, I, th- I think you run with it. Yeah, and you never know until you see it, right? Now, Josh Heupel at Tennessee has worked, but uh, you wouldn't have known that until you took a chance on it and saw it. We have seen Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, and we saw it work before. Is that a route they should go again? No, because I, I just don't think you can go back to the well like that. Now, if Mississippi State could get him, yeah. But I, I, I don't know if you've seen the comments already today. That Dan Mullen basically said, you never say never, but probably not. So it's interesting that he's kind of weighing in on it. I think Dan Mullen makes all the sense in the world for Arkansas, which I realize that job's not even open yet, but it likely will be here in the coming days. Uh, I, I think Dan Mullen's he's better than half the coaches in the SEC right now. So uh, I, I think that'd be a tremendous hire for anybody. If Mississippi State can get him, go get him. But uh, it, it seems a lot, heck, half the time he was there, he was trying to, to leave there. So uh, I, I don't think he's got any desire to go back to Starkville. How good of a job is Arkansas? I, I feel like that's a question we could ask in every coaching cycle when they fire someone and, and go, because we know they have resources. They have an entire state that's galvanized behind them. They have money uh, in their alumni base, but where are they in the SEC really? And what kind of coach are they going to attract? Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, it's, it's a bottom third job, and that's normally in, in most conferences, you're a bottom third job. It's because you got an awful program. I'm not saying Arkansas is awful, but the one thing you didn't reference there, which is also true of Arkansas, is they have wild expectations for some reason. I mean, they, they annually have the, the sixth, seventh best roster in the West, yet they anticipate you know, to punch above your weight and, and to battle with some of the better teams in the SEC West. And unless you have that roster, I, the players matter more than coaches. Uh, about 70% of, over 70% of SEC games are won by the better recruiter. And, and Arkansas, just that state, everything they do have going for them, what they don't have is a, a rich talent base. So you got to go outside your state to recruit. I, I think it's a bottom third job in the SEC, despite the passion of the fans, the, the, the donors, like you said, facilities, they have all that. You get someone to campus up there, it, it's a wonderful place to, to go to school, play football, but uh, I, it's just so demanding up there. It's They just churn these coaches out. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated, too, by that mindset. If, if you don't have high expectations, you're Vandy, right? And, and also, Arkansas, to me, is a very specific way to win in the conference. And they, they had expectations just like Kentucky did, Will Levis's final year at Kentucky, going into the season based on what they had done the year prior. And Pittman, we can tie Coach O into this as well at LSU. Fit, culture, uh, overall just uh, perception of how he fit that particular university and program. Everyone's saying Sam Pittman's perfect for Arkansas. And now KJ Jefferson, and we have not seen that. And I, there, I do think there is a certain type of coach, though, that they have to hire. It, it can't be the opposite of Sam Pittman given the fact that we have seen the opposite of Sam Pittman prior to his hire and how bad and awful it was. Well, uh, l- let me throw another name uh, at you here. And this is not someone that is all on the hot seat. This is a name of someone in the SEC that could strike while the iron is hot. And that's Eli Drinkwitz. 
they're going to go 10 and 2. All right. It's going to happen. They got Florida at home. They got Arkansas to close out the season. He hasn't had a winning season yet at Missouri, but we've seen coaches have a mammoth season for their respective program that that program rarely has, and they bolt for greener pastures. I'm curious if a job opens up or an opportunity that Eli would look at and hmm. say, now's the time to go try something else. Do you see that as a possibility? Yeah, absolutely, because he's tried to do it before, <laughs> and his team didn't live up to the hype, and, and it just didn't happen. So he was very interested in that Auburn job that, that ultimately went to Hugh oh, that's right, So Yeah, yeah I, I mean, certainly. I, I think that that's pretty astute. I mean, that's something that we kind of referenced on our last show. If there is a coach that, that no one's talking about, not saying obviously he's not getting fired, he's, he's having a banner year there, but one coaching job that could come open, I think it could be Eli Drinkwitz. And, I've heard some rocky things with his uh, relationship with the AD as well. So you, you kind of add that to the, to it. And, and again, the, he's raising the expectations at Missouri, uh, kind of like Shane Beamer has done at South Carolina. Then you dip all of a sudden people start questioning, are you, is this really the guy for the job? But I, I thought that was hilarious when, when Beamer kind of got thrown into the Mississippi state mix, why in the world would he go there? I, I think he's got a better job, but some of these coaches, they want to stay one step ahead of getting fired. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly think drink. I would be surprised if he's not at least somewhat on the radar for for even Texas A&M. Well, he went from four to six million in the bump and pay uh, recently, and I, I wonder could the Auburn version this year for him be Florida? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, are we getting rid of Billy Napier already? I mean, I don't mind. Well, uh, that's how hot. But, how hot is Billy Napier? I mean, I, I think he would absolutely take the Florida job, which is a top yeah, 10 they, job in I America. Mean, I mean, if Florida could trade for him, they would. Yeah. What, what is Billy Napier's seat hot? I don't think it is currently, but uh, he's losing a recruit every day, almost as often as he's losing football games. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be scorching hot going into next season. I think he does come back. He's got something like a, a $32 million buyout. Um, I, I just, I, I can't imagine they're going to pull the trigger unless he gets smoked this weekend against at Missouri, and then they get embarrassed at home by Florida. Florida State's a really good team, but they're not going to put up with you losing by 40 points. Uh, you know, that would be five straight losses to end the season. I think in that scenario, but I, I do think that's highly unlikely. They, I mean, they you can't say they went toe-to-toe with LSU, but they they gave them a battle. They were winning in the third quarter, so they're still fighting. They, they've not given up. I'm I'm 95% sure Billy Napier's back. Uh, just real quick, final minute here. Uh, Michael Bratton with us, uh, SEC Mike, and then that SEC podcast is where you can hear his great work. Um, Tennessee taking on Georgia this week. Georgia, the new number one. Uh, what do you make of the Bulldogs? I think rightfully so, number one in the college football playoff rankings, now jumping Ohio State, and Tennessee coming off the loss. What type of chance do you, do you give Tennessee to keep this game close, a fourth quarter game against the Bulldogs? No. <laughs> and, and I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I haven't thought Georgia was number one. I think people were ranking them that just based on what they did last year. Yeah. Different year, different team. But at this time, they have ascended to number one for me. And I realize they've been there for most people all year, but they're the most complete team in the country. I think Kirby's got them brainwashed. You, you see how quick Brock Bowers comes back when he had every reason in the world to shut it down. Uh, how can you not fight when, when our, our best players, you know, uh, at a breakneck pace coming back from an injury they're going to win it all again. I really do think. Great work, man. Thank you for the uh, for the the time and the insight today. And uh, let's catch up soon. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. Thanks, Mike. SEC Mike, Michael Bratton there. Uh, Chad, the... the Eli Drinkwitz, watch that name. That's a good point. M- Mark Stoops was this guy a couple years ago. He's been that way with some jobs. He'll have a really good year at Kentucky, and suddenly it's, hey, would Mark Stoops leave for this job? Would he leave for this job? Would he go back to Florida State where he's a coordinator? I, I would keep an eye on on a coach that could strike while the iron is, is hot is, is drink. Drinkwitz right now making $6 million. His salary goes up to $7 million in 27. It's a long ways off. And I'm curious what bump he gets for a winning season. <laughs> Because that's also the Stoops way. Well, and also, uh, New Year's Six Bowl is what they're headed to right now. They're ninth in the college football playoff rankings. That's right. Hot seat discussion next. Glad you're with us. Wednesday edition. Hot by with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up, we'll get weird. Davey Hudson will join us in a matter of minutes. Chad, and just the discussion there, uh, with Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast, more than just the SEC in terms of hot seat discussion or potential job openings, we know of a handful of them right now. But everyone, every coach, hot seat or not, is going to try to use Texas A&M as leverage if they can. If they can. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who's the next program in that order that can be leveraged for the same type of coach that would be believable for A&M? Potential. Potentially open. It looks like it's going to be a very quiet year. Uh, And oftentimes when that happens, it's not quiet at all because there's big surprises. Someone's going to take an NFL job. I brought up Eli Drinkwood. Someone's going to take a job and leave that we're not expecting, and that's going to open things up. Like Brian Kelly. Like Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly to LSU. Something's going to happen, right? I I say – it's going to be quiet, or it looks that way, knowing something will happen. Right. SEC-wise, it's Arkansas that's likely to make a move. I don't think Florida's doing anything, and then I'd watch the possibility of Eli Drinkwitz maybe moving on to somewhere else because he's had this great year in Missouri. Not likely, but a possibility there. So that's it for the SEC. Let's just go major conference by major conference. Big Ten, Ohio State, no. Michigan, only if Jim Harbaugh decides to go to the NFL. Are they going to make a move? They've defended him at every turn, so he's not going anywhere. Penn State and James Franklin, no. Mike Loxley at Maryland, no. He's probably still going to be there. Right. Greg Schiano at Rutgers, not going anywhere. Michigan State has a hire to make, but not to the level of Texas A&M in terms of driving right. up prices for everyone else. Indiana is probably going to make a move. Not at that level. Not going to move the needle, right? Not going to work here anymore, to quote Office Space. Uh, Iowa, not making a move. Matt's excited about that. He loves scoring eight points a game. Uh, Nebraska, first year with Matt Rule, not making a move. Northwestern, are they going to keep David Braun? Don't know. Not really going to move the needle. That's a hire a group of five guy or a coordinator type job. Wisconsin, first year with Luke Fickle, no. Illinois, they're headed for, uh, they're five and five right now trying to get bowl eligible. Don't think they're going to make a move with Brett Bielema, who did a really good job last year, but maybe one to keep an eye on. P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, 5-5? Five and five? Maybe? Maybe they decide to go in a different direction given the, what was it, the uh, exercises punishment yes. that they got punishment onto him about. Punishment by exercise. Punishment by, yeah, ex- yeah, whatever it was. Weirdness there at Minnesota. Maybe Purdue's with a first-year coach, so no. So, again, quiet offseason, right? Now let's go to the Big 12, current Big 12. Texas, no. 
Gundy, not leaving Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma and Venables, not going anywhere. Iowa State, Matt Campbell, they're 6-4. and four. They're 5-2 and two in conference. Are they going to fire Matt Campbell? No. Would Matt Campbell leave for another job? Maybe. Well, Maybe one to watch. He's had plenty of options. Bud Hutton, not going to move the needle like a No. Uh, Kansas State, no. Chris Kleiman, terrific coach. West Virginia, maybe. Neil Brown, firmly on the hot seat coming into the year. But they're 6-4. and four. They've exceeded expectations a bit, so that's a maybe. But decent job. Probably an underrated job, West Virginia. Not, not going to move the needle and get people raises to the level of A&M. Texas Tech, disappointing year. Second year with Joey McIntyre, I think. Not going to make a move. Kansas, only if Lance Leipold goes to Michigan State or somewhere he's else. Committed. Not going to move the needle at, at KU. Um, TCU, no. Houston, Dana Holgerson, maybe not going to move the needle, especially as close as they are to A&M, which will move the needle. Baylor, I don't think so. But Dave Aranda's had a horrendous season. They're 3-7 and seven, uh, so far this year. BYU, no. UCF, Gus Malzahn. Malzahn's a name that I've heard at Arkansas if they make a move. So maybe UCF the comes high school open. Days. UCF, by the way, a great launching pad type job. Scott Frost, Josh Heupel. You're right. And now if Gus Malzahn can go to the SEC, that's a very attractive job for someone. Maybe a former Power 5 head coach. Maybe someone out of coaching that did a good job somewhere else, like a Malzahn at the time. Maybe a big-time coordinator, or, or, group or, of five coach. Or Malzahn treats this like Matt Campbell has, where he's going and is in the, the Big 12, and he's got a chance to do what he did this past week to Oklahoma State, for instance. Yeah. Cincinnati, first-year coach. Scott Satterfield, no. Uh, ACC, Florida State, no. Louisville, absolutely not. North Carolina, Mac Brown, maybe he retires. They're 8-2. and two. North Carolina's a job that could get some juice, uh, that could get, get some leverage for, for some That's coaches one, out yeah. there. Uh, NC State, Dave Doran, no. Virginia Tech, Brent Pry, no. Georgia Tech, no. Boston College, they've rebounded this year. Jeff Halfley was in some trouble coming in this year. They're 6-4. and four. Boston College is definitely not moving the needle to an A&M level. I say he stays. Mike Elko may bounce for another job. Definitely not getting fired at Duke. Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, probably not. I don't think Miami, even with this disappointing no. year, is firing Mario Cristobal. Syracuse will be open. I think Dino Babers is gone at Syracuse. How much does that job move the needle? Probably not a ton. What do you think, Hutton? That's probably hire a group of five head coach I think the, the, type job. I mean, like the, Dino Babers was at Bowling Green when he took it, took over. Second best leverage for another coach looking for it is, is currently not open or not a hot seat program currently. It would be a surprise departure. Yeah. You know? Virginia, Wake Forest, no. Uh, Dave Clawson's done a good job there. Too early. Uh, on Elliott at Virginia to, to pull the plug and, there. And the situation and the, the horrible situation they've been through. Let me give you an interesting one, though. Pat Narduzzi at Pittsburgh. Been a weird season for Pitt. They are 2-8, and eight, and he has seemingly lost that locker room, and he continues to make public statements that is angering everyone in that locker room. That is one I would watch. I don't know the buyout situation, but Pitt may come open, and Pitt is a sleeper job. That could be very good for someone. Maybe a Gary Patterson, who said he wants to get back into coaching. Could be a good landing spot for him. Um, Quickly through the Pac-12, Washington, no. Oregon, no. Oregon State, no. Arizona, no. USC, no. Utah, no. UCLA will have an opening. Cal probably will have an opening. Mm -hmm. 
with Justin Wilcox maybe on his way out. Arizona State, first-year coach, no. Same goes for Stanford. Deion Sanders at Colorado, no. Jake Dickert at Washington State, not getting fired. Maybe he takes another job. But that's where the surprise we, departures would come from. We just, in Pac-12. record time, went through the, the Power Five. It's not there. It's find the hot seats that are out there. This is a, this is a strange year where there's not a lot of guys you can point to and say, watch out for this school to make a move and fire this coach. Chip Kelly surprised us a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. There could be other surprises. I'd put Pat Narduzzi on that list of possible surprises. Dino Babers, I think, likely out at Syracuse. Um, but, yeah, I think I, it should be a quiet offseason, which means it absolutely will not be a quiet offseason. <laughs> yeah, there'll, there'll be craziness uh, in the transfer portal of coaches. Yes. Uh, uh, each and every week. It's strange. Let's get, get weird. weird. Let's get weird with Davey Hudson. And five, four, three, two, one, zero. Talking now. Guys, before we get weird with a, well, we'll start off with a football story today. I do want to add that during the course of our show today, Northwestern has promoted David Braun to the full-time head coach at Northwestern. Wow. So that, that did happen. That was, that's one job that will not be coming up or open. I, I do think. By I, the way, I think that's a good move. Because he inherited a bad roster and a bad and situation. Right and yeah, yeah, zero head coaching experience and has done this. And he's d- done a did nice it job. Last minute, yeah. Yep. That's one where you go to him and you're like, do you like it here at Northwestern? Okay, you can stay. Well, if you like it and want to stay, you can stay. I, I kind of think we'll actually have quite a bit of turnover just simply because there's so much conference shakeup going into next season. Teams kind of want to get a leg up there. But uh, that's not weird. What is weird is... Jameson Williams, you know, former Alabama wide receiver, first-round pick by the Detroit Lions, posted a photo on Instagram the other day. is on his, his story, and it was what he gets to order at McDonald's. Okay. And he got oh, a McDouble, but he decided, I'm going to put my Oreo McFlurry on his cheeseburger. What are you guys, what are you guys take on this? I mean, come on. This is like uh, Will Levis with the mayo and the coffee. Is this a stunt for social media? I, don't know. I would prefer this over the mayo and the coffee, though. As, I, I as mean, I, I, I don't know. I might, I might actually try mayo and coffee before wow. that. Just don't go in excess. This isn't a thing. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to weigh in on this because it's, it's insane. No one ever thought, you know, this hamburger, good, and this McFlurry, good. I'm going to mix the two together. First off, one, freezing cold. And tough to the mouth, to the touch. Maybe he likes the touch. The other one is nice and warm and a warm meal, and you're going to put that on top to make your burger freezing cold? I think it's a stunt. When you eat, you drink something cold, though. I don't. Davey, we need I, further invest. We need to get yeah. Matty Ice, our investigative team, on this. Go try to find out. This, this cannot be real. I want to real. taste this before I uh, denounce this. I, I personally, like, I, I enjoy both. bias. I have a vendetta against McDonald's, so, like, I just think their food and just the establishment's absolute trash. What's your vendetta? You watched Super Size Me and you had an epiphany about them? I blame them for the death of one of my pets. Okay. You blame yeah. them can instead we save of you for, for letting... Future, we, can, we can save can that, you that, that story. Did you, did you feed their food to your pet? I did not. Okay. But my my pet... We'll, we'll save we'll, we'll save that story save for another time. Save it because I blame that your roommate or whoever fed the, the food to yeah. your pet. That, by the way... More uh, than McDonald's. McDonald's but, with the special uh, recipe for their Coca-Cola. Exceptional. Yeah, um, they got their own like patent, right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Special, and uh, also the fries. Love the fries. I've always fries said there are two types of people I'm better than. That's terrorists and people who enjoy McDonald's. But if you're Jameson Williams, one, you've had a terrible 
start to your NFL career, I would probably worry about having a better dietary plan. This just isn't going to go it's, well. It's not real. It's him trying to get a rise out of people on, on the internet. I'm telling you, I refuse to believe. What did he comment uh, let's, with? Let's get, let's get our show booker to work on getting Jameson no Williams on the show. There was no and comment. we can ask Jameson Williams on this show. Yes. My first question is, is that real? Do you really put Oreo McFlurry on your burger? If so, why? This presented without comment. I actually, I, I knew a guy that would change one of his jobs back in the day was like changing the, um, or actually they'd always call him in for maintenance work for the McFlurry McFlurry yeah, it's machines because it's always broken. He said that's one of the dis- most disgusting things he's ever seen whenever they open that up, like just how dirty those yeah. things actually are because they don't get routine maintenance. That's part it's of like the reason the coffee maker on a plane. They're always yeah, not working is is just because I mean the, the thing it's a it's a bleep show according to to him who would Sounds go like around an excuse town. to me to not fix these things even yeah. though they're probably working I, just I don't fine. I don't want to know like I don't want to see behind the curtain. I don't want to know what's going on back there half the time. If it's something gross, as long as it does not make me sick uh, as I eat the food and it, it tastes okay, I'd, I'd rather not know. That's my ignorance is blessed for me. Guys, for our, our next story, it's it's also a gross one. We'll, we'll just put that out there to start off with. But a man in Nebraska, 41-year-old Ryan Smith. That's a pretty popular name, so I feel sorry for you if you have it. Here's his mugshot. You can, you can see it here on the screen. Ryan Smith was arrested, and the reasoning for his arrest uh, – It's quite strange. He worked at a funeral home in Nebraska, and he was sent to pick up the body with uh, him and a co-worker were sent to pick up the body of a deceased man that died of natural causes. There's nothing nothing off there. But while he was in this now deceased man's apartment, something caught his eye. And that was this deceased man's sex doll. So he decided he had to leave, you know, take the body, back to the morgue, get, get everything straightened away there. But he called the apartment complex and said that he needed a warrant to come and get the sex doll, that they needed to do a biopsy on it. Well, of course, the manager said it's an odd request. One, you work for a funeral home. You're not the type of person that would come in and be the one to gather this. That'd be something for the local sheriff's department. A biopsy to on the doll? Yes. Again, Ryan Smith... Probably not the most intelligent person here, not thinking through everything to the best. Yeah, well. we'll, we'll Be definitive. Okay. <laughs> not, not intelligent. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'll leave it up. You saw his picture. You, you've heard this part of the story so well, far. Well, he looks fine. Looks like a guy from Nebraska. But, I mean, yeah, he's he clearly not right. <laughs> but, yeah, go ahead. Or here. And yeah, so, I mean, but anyway, I didn't mean that. Um, sorry to everyone in the Cornhuskers. I didn't mean that to disparage you. I'm like, sorry, you just, apologize to your family. He right looks now. like someone from middle America. Yeah. <laughs> he, he ultimately did well, not no like. no better, no worse. Heartland. Like we, I mean, we know this guy, right, Hutton? Like, we all know a guy no that doubt. looks just like him. Like, yeah. he looks pretty normal. Yes. He was not satisfied <laughs> with being told no, and so he ends up showing up to the apartment complex, manages to get inside. Uh, manager suspected something was up, goes to check on the door that's dead bolted, bottom door's locked, calls the cops. Uh, eventually, Ryan Smith comes out looking disheveled, clothes all, all apart, and um, he... he had fun, but uh, was subsequently arrested. Uh, um, yeah, uh, d- definitively crazy. Yeah, and uh, I feel like your algorithm, Davey, has really zoned in on sex doll stories. <laughs> I think it's really feeding you a massive amount of sex doll stories. It's like, hey, if you, like, the- if you like this story in Spain, you're going to love this story out of Nebraska, and it just goes right into that. If you like, It's like Netflix. You like this, you'll love this. 
Davey sees that necrophilia sex doll funeral parlor story, and then you immediately are like, I'm sucked in. I'm right back in. What was the uh, the movie with the the guy who falls in love with the, the her sex doll? her with was Joaquin her? Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is his. Was it a doll or was it a uh, just like a piece of AI? It was, it was a piece of AI. It was oh, his okay. phone, I think. Well, yeah, it was like a virtual woman. Yeah, they locked eyes whenever it, he knew they. He I got a show recommendation ear. about uh, that's similar to this, by the way. Right. Shockingly enough, we come back. Sixth and Peabody are located with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton with Bro. Rolls on. Fast paced show today, Chad. Fast always pace. great. Always great. Tomorrow the weekend arrives for you. Going straight football. from here to um, my final softball practice of the year of 2023. This will be it. One tournament this weekend. I won't, I won't be able to see much football. I'll be coaching these girls to hopeful greatness. And uh, that. It ends with a practice tonight as we get ready for our out-of-town tournament this weekend. I know you're, you're extremely bummed about missing Georgia-Tennessee. But imagine had Tennessee. I'm really not. You know, it's, well, it's very because weird. Because Tennessee lost. Well, no. I'm, no, look. Tennessee's performance against Missouri has no bearing on my anticipation this game. I, I know but how much. There, there would I be an SEC much, championship chance, right? I know how much better Georgia is than Tennessee. So my view of this game is just, well, I'm going to be coaching a tournament and not see it. And if Tennessee wins, great. It's going to be one of the great wins in the history of the program, and I'll go back home. I've got it recorded, and right. I'll watch it. And if they lose by four or five touchdowns, <laughs> yeah. I can just go home and delete it. And it's like it never happened. I'll read about it that night, and then I'll watch more football games at night when I'm back in the hotel room. Uh, and then, you know, that's, that's it. That was that. What's Wash your, my hands of it. Then I'll get ready for a big NFL Sunday. What What is your uh, your movie or, or TV show tie-in to the previous segment? Oh. Um, Media recommendation? New, new show recommendation. Murder at the End of the World is the name of the show on Hulu. It's on FX. So it airs weekly on FX, and they'll uh, post it on Hulu to stream. Clive Owen, who I love. Uh, I love a I love a British guy with a deep voice, and that's Clive Owen. It's rare. He most, is your most Jim British Harbaugh guys. To- Yes. Most British guys don't have the deepest of voices. I love a deep voice British accent. That is Clive Owen. Um, Clive Owen or Jude Law? It's a really good. Uh, <laughs> I like Clive Owen better. Jude Law is very good though. That's yeah. a that's a good one to bring up because I do like Jude Law's work. I didn't like when he did the Young Pope, <laughs> but other than that, Fair. Me I, I liked him in almost everything else. So the best way to describe this show is it's sort of Clue and Knives Out. Okay. Meets the night of. The miniseries okay. from from HBO. I like, I, you sold me on that description. It's like it's it's crazy. There's a little bit of like an AI twist to it. Clive Owen is this tech billionaire. There's a murder mystery. There's a separate murder mystery involving a true crime detective that wrote a book about trying to solve a serial killer. And then there's Iceland is the backdrop of this, the murder at the end of the world, and it's like a tech summit where it's just 20 people invited by this billionaire. So that's where it's kind of like Clue, you know, a whodunit, where it sets up pretty quickly about what the big mystery is that's going to be involved. But they're separate mysteries. It's sort of a love story involved. It's one episode in, Hutton. I'm as excited about the rest of this series as I have been about I a show in a while. That's good. That's a great recommendation. Been a, in a bit of a drought with shows that I really get into. Um, I watched Fall of the House of Usher, but I kind of like hate watched it by about episode five or six. But just to get through it, it was okay. But this this has great potential. 
Chad, uh, one thing we're not into is the NBA in-season tournament because it's hard to describe the format. The most excitement we've seen thus far is from last night. Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, and the ejection. The chokehold that Draymond uses and how long he kept it on with Gobert. And the, the idea that there are those that are actually on the other side of the opinion that he should not be suspended instead of the obvious case where the track record here, you go on YouTube and watch highlights of uh, lowlights, if you want to call it that, 10-minute videos of Draymond taking cheap shots or getting into, uh, it, it, taking issue with someone or something based on what's happening in-game. This is a no-brainer, and it's a common trend that if the NBA really wants to send a message, this is what they should be fining and suspending players on, ejecting players over, not dunking and flexing over a player based on excitement like you would see in the NFL for a touchdown celebration. Can it go over the top? Sure. Does it all the time? No. It didn't in Giannis's case last week. In this case, this should be swift and easy and detrimental because the guy continues to do things that are just stupid and out of line, the most recent one from last night. And I love Gobert, his comment saying, if Draymond really knew how to put on a chokehold, that this could have been really bad for me. He's right. I mean, with a guy that big and that strong, it, it, it could have been really bad. Um, look, at some point, it, there has to be, I'm talking like season-long suspension for a culmination of just being dirty. Uh, there's got to be a really, really heavy penalty in all this. And keep in mind, the Warriors chose Draymond Green over Jordan Poole after Draymond Green punched him a year ago. They, they like what he brings to the table. They win. They yeah, win yeah, with him. Right. They see him as a winner. Uh, Steve Kerr clearly has his back. His teammates have his back. Because usually when someone is assaulted at practice, it's the assaultee and not the assaulter that's rewarded. <laughs> it's Draymond Green who gets to stay. And Jordan Poole, who's on his way out. And this so is the second straight know, game he's been ejected. Well, I say that because we know the Warriors don't care. They're not going to do anything. So the league's got to come down and do something. The Warriors think this is awesome, clearly, because they continue to employ him because he's a key part of what they do rebounding-wise and how they want to go about winning. They see a lot of value in Draymond Green, a guy who was, at one point in his career, a much better offensive weapon than he is now. Now he's just a weapon when he plays games because he's trying to hurt people. So uh, 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 the Woj bomb, we're waiting on the suspension announcement because it's got to be coming. But the the idea that, per Adrian Wojnarowski, the NBA is investigating the events of Tuesday's game and the league plans to complete its review of the role that Green played prior to Golden State's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder on uh, Thursday as well. I mean, how much more evidence do you need? It, it, the, the Gobert saying, yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't a, a, the deep choke hold that he had on me. I, he was trying to uh, go lights out. He was trying to get me to go out. I, I didn't based on uh, the fact that he didn't know how to put the choke hold on, but it was on there long enough to where he could have and then there's this, uh, Kendra Andrews of ESPN says that, and quotes Gobert post-game, um, that, uh, so Steph Curry missed the game due to knee soreness. And Go- Gobert says, every time Steph doesn't play, Green doesn't want to play without his guy Steph, so he does anything he can to get ejected. <laughs> I mean, if that's true, you gotta, 
suspend him for the rest of the season as a repeat offender? Well, you've got to do something pretty extreme. Well, this is, you know, the, the kick that took place in the playoffs. Well, there was know. multiple kicks. Oh, right, right, right. But, um, that led to the suspension. But you end up with this, and it's like, it, there doesn't need to be anything else that leads up to a suspension in this case. So, and they're not, they haven't gone up to a great start, so a lot like last year. How has the in-season tournament gone, other than the fighting? This is the only time we've brought it up, really. Other well, yeah, than no, the, the, the fighting has helped the, the interest. Yeah. I mean, I, the, I sent you guys a great um, Denzel Washington clip from training day that uh, uh, it's Josiah Johnson on, on X oh. that I follow who does hilarious sports. Like he just finds the right clip for everything. And it was uh, his interpretation of Adam Silver getting angry at, at everybody fighting. Uh, and it was a, a reference to training day that you'll have to go back and watch. A 10 second chokehold, though. Oh, the best too on social is uh, someone has uh, overlaid, it, much like we would see with like Jim Ross from the WWF WWE days, putting it up, up, you know behind the the actual play. Someone's got this with oh. Joe now with Joe Rogan on UFC commentary doing this, which is really good. Check that out if you can. I, I don't like. Are guys fight? Are we getting in fights because people actually care about the end season tournament or? Are we getting in fights because NBA players don't like playing games in November period, so they would just prefer to fight? I think this is like just the accusation that Draymond, Draymond Green is just trying to get tossed because he doesn't want to not play a game without Steph. I don't know. I mean, you've got Stephen A. who said that. Uh, so uh, you've got Jay Williams who's saying that it should be a double-digit suspension. That's what he's expecting. And Stephen A. is thinking, well, he didn't throw a punch, so he's he's thinking it's going to be less than that. I mean, but the the suspension in recent in recent times for Draymond has been based on track record. They've made that. So how do you not tack on more? Just based yeah. on track record. Yeah, alone. just a repeat offender status. And stop with the uh, technicals and ejections based on small things yeah, like what Giannis is doing. Hey, shout out to uh, what took place in Chicago last night with the Champions Classic. Duke, Michigan State, not that great of a game, but Michigan State made a little bit of a run to make it interesting late. Uh, no points hardly in the first half. And then Duke went on a run and separated. Big win for John Shire and Duke coming off the home loss to Arizona. That Kentucky-Kansas game was fantastic. It was great. Uh, that was, I mean, there, there were kind of trading 10-point leads at one point where shot one team was going a big run. Yeah, yes, big Hunter, moments, big shots. Hunter Dickinson, oh. who uh, claimed that he was doing the courageous thing by leaving Michigan and going to Kansas. Uh, he was pretty courageous last night. 26 points, 21 rebounds in that game. Chad, I was thinking this. Had, not, he, had not he left bad. during this time frame for Michigan, people would applaud him. Yeah. Thank you for going to Kansas. Uh, but uh, tell us what you think about Jim Harbaugh's suspension, <laughs> even though you're not at Michigan anymore. We'd like to get your thoughts on it. He was terrific last night. Huge three-pointer from the top of the key at the buzzer of the first half that I think pulled Kansas to win seven at yep. halftime. And Kentucky... This is another one of those teams that I watch them. I think, okay, it's almost every other year with them or every third year, they get the right freshman class. They're always getting a top-notch freshman class with three or four five-stars. Yeah. But it's every other year they get the right mix of dudes that are competitors, that can defend, and this feels like the right mix of dudes. They were without three of their seven-footers. They're big guys, and they were right there with Kansas on a neutral court the whole game. I was very impressed with Kentucky, very impressed with Kansas' resiliency to get back in that game and win it. 
And now that we, was a fun night of college basketball. Hutton, it is difficult to get all into college basketball in November, but that was a nice precursor for what's to come with so, the Maui Invitational and some of these tournaments around Thanksgiving. It, it, uh, and Chad, you would have recommended the same thing, but at the very end of yesterday's show, Davey said this is kind of his tip-off for the college. It used to be, right? Yeah. Um, so I took his recommendation. It was based on he, – he brought it up because his, his Duke Blue Devils were playing. But also, like, when I saw Kentucky-Kansas – Kansas is a big favorite to win the Maui Invitational. But there are some other solid programs going to be in that tournament. So I was like, okay, they're playing Kentucky. Let's see what's going on. Really, I wanted to see Coach Cal complain that his team's really young, right? Oh, my god! This is the time of year where they're going to have to grow, right? To get, that's not the case this year, what I saw. And if Kansas is that big of a favorite, uh, going to the Maui Invitational with some solid programs like Tennessee, Gonzaga, uh, what Xavier, I believe is there. No, uh, Marquette. Marquette, yeah, Gonzaga, UCLA, uh, Tennessee opens with Syracuse. Yeah, Shamanad. But Shamanad's always in that tournament. But the as fact the, as the host that they're big favorites uh, in the uh, minus money versus all the others in plus money tells me that they're the team. And last night I saw Kentucky go toe to toe with them in Tennessee. According to Billis, is. Better than Kentucky. I, I, it's going to be a fun year. I, I could not tell at halftime if Holly Rowe of ESPN was trolling John Calipari, which I would have loved, or said something that just really irritated me. Okay. But she opened her question. Her going, microphone irritated me. Going, Coach, I, I know you've got a young team, but what do you make of these young kids? And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, here we go. Like you mentioned, the young team thing. Yeah. John Calipari, every year, you can just write it in stone. Not this year. Young team. He's going to talk about. It. Now he just went on to say, I mean, "These kids are playing. You know, yeah. I like these guys." He was very complimentary. He's like, "We got guys who are playing, giving us great minutes." And he was complimentary of everyone. But that's always just the. We got these kids out here that are just you know just kids. Also, all these kids. And like that is your program. Yeah. Like you have built your program around kids, not keeping guys four years, and it's been successful. But don't run and hide from that. Just that's who you are. The other thing, too, so the Maui Invitational, I was glad they pointed this out, uh, not in Maui, of course, due to the fires. It's going to be in Honolulu. But the amount of money raised by these exhibitions that from yeah, programs. that's awesome. Two million plus. You know, Tennessee did this. Kansas did this. Tennessee and Michigan State. Michigan yeah. State hosted them, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's uh, uh, remarkable how much money was raised Kansas, based Illinois on played. those uh, exhibition matchups. Uh, so props there and it, what's going to be a very competitive tournament. You're looking for something other than uh, maybe a, a bad uh, Tuesday night football matchup on CBS Sports Network or who knows, probably a bad Thursday night football matchup. Tomorrow night should be good, though. Uh, Our guy Baltimore Timmy B's going to have you covered on Friday nights, though. He'll have a good yeah. Friday night matchup. And Maui, on the Maui Invitational tips off Monday? Monday. All right, cool. We can start tomorrow, that though. It does start tomorrow. It's football. Celebrate returns. accordingly tonight. Join and, us. And responsibly. 3 Eastern, Thursday. <laughs>